Good morning, Cole family. It's good to be with you on this Sunday morning, worshiping together. So glad you've joined us to spend this time together. And I, I hope you're doing well through this time of homestay that we're experiencing, although some of you are essential workers and you're working extra hours. We're praying for you. I don't know about you, but during this time of the coronavirus, I'm feeling somewhat overwhelmed by all the information coming my way. There's a part of me that feels like I need to know what's going on. So I feel compelled to keep checking the internet and to watch the news and find a way to figure out what's happening. I want to know what decisions are being made. I want to know what the current spread of the coronavirus is. I want to know when and how things might open up again. So all of that compels me to keep reading and finding out more information. And there are so many voices out there that are telling us what we ought to think and believe. And they all claim to have the right perspective. But what I'm discovering is even the voices that seem to be all facts are picking and choosing which facts to give us based on their own perspectives and their own biases. And in our culture, everyone is encouraged to have a voice. So there's so much out there right now. There are so many blogs. There are so many news feeds. There are YouTube channels you can watch and all kinds of social, social media coming our way, Instagram and on and on. And for me personally, it's pretty overwhelming. I don't know if it is for you, but, you know, when you're trying to figure out wh what am I supposed to believe? Where is wisdom coming from? Some of us look for the experts, you know, we look for the ones with extra letters at the end of their name, PhD, etc., and think, well, they, they must know what they're talking about. Some of us listen to celebrities simply because they're famous. Somehow we think they should know more than we do. I think a lot of us listen to our own selves. We, we pick and sift through all the information we're reading, and then we decide what's true and what's right based on our own thinking. But I think it's important we think about how can we discern where in all of this noise is the voice of wisdom. Proverbs tells us that both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are constantly shouting in the public square. Both are there. But the question is, how can we tell one from the other? How do we know who to listen to? And note, there is a clear difference between hearing and listening, at least in a biblical perspective. Maybe not so much in English, but certainly, biblically, there's a clear difference between hearing and listening. We hear a lot of noise, but listening in the Bible has this sense of, embracing something so that it changes you. It changes your thinking. It changes your actions. So when we ask, to whom are you listening? We're really asking, what voices are you embracing in a way that change you, that truly impact your mind and your will, your choices? Well, today we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 12. And I find this passage really helpful in helping me discern where to find true wisdom for living life 
well. And I hope it'll be helpful to you too. So let's pray and we'll look at this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the voice of wisdom, that in the midst of all the voices coming our way, that you are the truth. Jesus, you are the truth. And so we can depend on you. You are wisdom from above, we are told. So Lord, may we today, through this passage, learn more what it means to hear your voice in the midst of all the other voices around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 12 to, first of all, looking at the voice of wisdom. The voice of wisdom. As the passage begins, which you just heard read, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is heir to the throne, and he has a chance to win the hearts of the people. The people have come to him, and they've asked for leniency. You know, you're... you're Father Solomon was a hard taskmaster. If you'll be kinder to us, then we will commit ourselves to you and we will follow you forever. Well, Rehoboam wisely, very wisely, consults the elders who had been serving Solomon. And that's a very wise move. You know, when you're looking for wisdom, it's always a good idea to get good input from others you respect when you are seeking wisdom. So that's what Rehoboam does. But notice what we hear in the voice of wisdom, what the elders tell him. And we see this in verse 7 where it says, I'll read it again. And they said to him, the elders, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Now let's pick this apart. I I want to look at what the voice of wisdom sounds like. First, I want to note that these are elders. These are men of experience, men of age. They've walked through life for a while. But as we all know, just because someone has a lot of experience in their lives, that doesn't necessarily mean they will be wise, right? Experience doesn't necessarily lead to wisdom. Absolutely not. So, so what does? How, do, how can experience lead to wisdom? Well, I'd like to put it this way. Wisdom comes when experience leads us to know God and ourselves better. Let me say that again. Wisdom comes when experience leads us to know God and ourselves better. So let's unpack that a bit. When I was first in ministry, I went through a really difficult time. And I was deeply hurt. I was angry. I was self-protective. And as I left, had to go somewhere else, and I was working through those emotions, I hung on to them for a long time. I did not learn wisdom because that experience wasn't something I processed well with God. It was only over time as I saw how God was working through that situation and as I faced my own resentment, my own fears, my own sinful responses and repented of them, that God was able to teach me wisdom from that experience that could help me in future ministry opportunities. 
See, I think a lot of times we go through things and don't take it to God. We just try to work it through on our own rather than going to him and letting him teach us and convict us and lead us to repentance so that we can truly learn wisdom. John Calvin, the amazing reformer who lived in the 1500s, wrote a massive uh, study of the Christian religion that's called the Institutes, John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, in which he summarizes the whole Christian faith, and he begins that entire work with these words about wisdom. Very interesting, where he begins it this way. Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Get that? Wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it's not easy to determine which of the two precedes and gives birth to the other. He goes on to say, on the other hand, it's evident that man never attains to a true self-knowledge until he has previously contemplated the face of God and come down after such contemplation to look into himself. What's Calvin saying there? Well, he's essentially saying this. Wisdom comes from knowing God and knowing ourselves, and those are intertwined. The more you know God, the more you know yourself, the more you know yourself, through God's eyes, the more you'll actually get to know God better. So if you want to evaluate your experience or that of others to see if you've really grown in wisdom, ask this, do I know God better than I did? Have I understood his character more? Have I understood who he is? Have I understood how much he loves me in a deeper way through this experience? And do I know myself better? My strengths, my weaknesses, my issues, my deep need for God. We see this in the response of the elders, actually. Um, They appear to be lifelong learners. They stood before Solomon, the wisest man in the world, but Solomon became foolish, right? And as he became foolish, apparently the elders didn't listen to what he was saying anymore because they actually were wiser at the end than he was. And they've allowed God to develop in them a biblical worldview. And part of the worldview that they're expressing is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's kind of their message, right? to Rehoboam, hey, if the people know you really care for them, you're willing to serve them, then, hey, they will follow you. They'll be willing to let you be their king. But if not, they won't. These elders seem to know man very well. They had listened to the people. They understood that the people's allegiance, their their commitment to follow a king really depended on earning their trust. They need to know, Rehoboam, they said, that you are a servant. Notice, you need to be a servant and serve them, both things. You need to be the kind of person where they can look at you and say, he's a servant. He's all about our good. 
as a king, as a leader. And he does things out of that, serving the people. And then it says that he speaks good things to them, that he encourages them, if you will speak good things to them, Rehoboam, they will follow you. What does that mean? Well, what are good things? True things, helpful things, kind, moral, trustworthy things, things that reflect the very character of God and reflect his word. Those are all packed in that word good. You see, we should always look for these kinds of leaders. Servant leaders, leaders that are out for our good, that speak good to us, whether in church, whether in politics, or whether in business. This is just simply wisdom to lead this kind of way. And what a wonderful view of leadership. It's servant leadership. Many corporations today are taking on this because they've seen that this is the best kind of leadership. When you have a CEO who is really there to serve the needs of the corporation and the people who are the employees of that corporation, and it's certainly true in the spiritual realm and in churches, and the Bible teaches this. Not being a pushy, domineering, authoritarian kind of leader, that's been tried and failed but a servant leader. So where did these elders learn this kind of leadership? Not from Solomon. He really wasn't this kind of leader. So how could they learn it? Well, I think they learned it from knowing God well. Their experience and their understanding of God's word had led them to know God well and realize that this is what God is like. God has a servant heart. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament has a servant heart. And Jesus really clarified what God is like when he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So see, the voice of wisdom comes from those who have let life teach them to know God well and to know man well. And in fact, I think this is a really good guideline. I encourage you to think of this as you listen to voices. As you listen to voices online, as you listen to voices face-to-face in books or however you're listening, to ask, does this person know God well? Does this person really understand man well? If the answer is yes to both, you can probably give some Wait to what they have to say. Otherwise, you need to be skeptical and discerning about what you're hearing. So that's the voice of wisdom, as we see in the elders. Now, as we go on, we'll see the voice of foolishness that's reflected really in verses 8 through 20, all the way there. And this is where Rehoboam says, okay, I've listened to the elders, but I'm going to go to my buddies And I'm going to see what they have to say. Verse 8 again. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men, the elders, gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise? In verse 10, the young men who had grown up with him said, thus you shall speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. 
And whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. See, their message is essentially this. Rehoboam, you need to show the people who's boss. They're asking for leniency. Well, you can't give in to that demand. (laughs) So Rehoboam rejects wisdom. He abandoned the counsel of the elders, it says, turned to his buddies who he grew up with, peers who would simply confirm what he had to say, confirm all his immature undeveloped brain thinking. And notice what they do. They appeal to a lot of bad or selfishness within Rehoboam's heart. Right? Notice how they appeal to his pride. You can be great. You can be powerful. Come on. They appeal to his lust for power. You can have greater power than your own father. They appeal to this sense to hold on to your own biases, your own immaturity, rather than grow. They appeal to this lust, this desire to outdo your father, to be greater than him. And it makes me wonder if Rehoboam didn't have a certain amount of resentment maybe towards Solomon. Maybe Solomon didn't treat him well, didn't spend enough time with him or whatever. But this appeal that, man, you can outdo your dad seems to appeal to Rehoboam. He follows that advice. And maybe part of this is Rehoboam didn't want to disappoint his friends that he'd grown up with. Um, The appeal really appealed to his own need for significance that he was looking in the wrong places to fulfill. We could go on and on, but all the things that the buddies of his appeal to essentially blind us to wisdom. Because they're all about selfishness and me and me getting ahead. And they keep us from following the wisdom that might be right in front of our eyes like it was for Rehoboam. He just heard from the elders. You see, foolishness cries out to us. And it cries out things like this. Put yourself first. Feed your pride. You need to deal with your fear yourself. Get ahead of others. Don't worry about the consequences. Don't consider the impact on other people. All of this is really the exact opposite of servant leadership of the voice of wisdom. Now, you may ask, okay, Rehoboam decided to follow foolishness. Is that really that big a deal? If a leader, if a king is is being foolish and self-centered and prideful in this way rather than listening to the voice of wisdom. I mean, the kingdom consists of all the people in the kingdom, not just the king, right? But the biblical testimony over and over again is that leadership matters. Leadership matters and the character of a leader. And whether they're seeking wisdom or foolishness really, really matters. And we see that in verses 16 through 20 as we see the consequences. Let me read those verses. And when all Israel saw that the king didn't listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion do we have in you, David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. Speaking of Rehoboam, the family of David. 
So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. So you see what the consequences are for Rehoboam because he chooses foolishness. It actually divides the entire kingdom. We'll talk about this more next week. As we see, suddenly instead of one big kingdom of Israel and Judah together, now Israel is the northern kingdom headed by Jeroboam and in the south is Rehoboam, a smaller area that now he is king over. There's a divided relationships. There's rebelliousness that's aroused in people's hearts. Rehoboam has lost control of the people that he led for a time. There's destruction, murder, Adoram gets killed, political division, the country's divided in two. There are all kinds of consequences simply because Rehoboam as a leader chose to listen to foolishness rather than wisdom. So it does matter. (laughs) So now we've seen the voice of wisdom and the voice of foolishness in this passage, but now we get to actually listen to the best voice, and that's the voice of God himself. And that is the best place to find wisdom, obviously, is to listen to God himself. It's good to listen to wise people, like the elders were here, but it's most important that you and I learn to listen to God himself so that we will have wisdom as we hear all the other voices that we are exposed to. So the voice of God. We see that in verses 21 through 24. I'd like to read those. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Rehoboam says, man, I got to keep this kingdom together. He wanted power. So he gathers his whole army and he's ready to go fight Jeroboam and fight this whole northern kingdom of Israel. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people, the entire southern kingdom of Judah. Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again, according to to the word of the Lord. So in this scene, Rehoboam decides to fight to take the kingdom back, but God sends a prophet, Shemaiah is his name, who tells them not to fight, who says God is in control, God is in this. And to his credit, Rehoboam listens. But if you look closely at the passage, Shemaiah was sent to Rehoboam and all the people. So all the people heard this prophecy uh, and and this command from God. So I wonder if Rehoboam would have not done this, that he would have gone ahead to fight if all the other people hadn't heard. But anyway, 
we know that at this point they chose to listen to the voice of God and they simply went home. This reminds us of what the Bible teaches over and over. Real wisdom doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from humanity. It doesn't come from us figuring it all out. Now, God's given us good minds and we are to use them. But it doesn't come from us sifting through all the information and all the websites and all the blogs and all the news feeds and figuring out what we want to believe. We're not going to get wise that way. The Bible teaches that real wisdom doesn't come from us. It comes from God himself. He alone is our wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says this, And because of him, the God himself, the Holy Spirit, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is our wisdom. So the key is learning to plug into him, plug into real wisdom, abide in him, plug into his database, constantly text with him, be in contact with him so that we can let him change our worldview and give us true wisdom. So how do we learn to really hear the voice of God? I just want to give you three quick suggestions on how we can learn to really hear the voice of God and gain his his wisdom. Point number one, choose humility. Choose humility. The humility that says, I know that I don't see the whole picture. I only see one little tiny piece of the puzzle. I, I, I don't have enough wisdom to see the whole picture. In fact, My perspective is often wrong. My perspective is not true often. I'm wrong about a lot of things. I don't understand God nearly well enough. I don't know myself well enough. So I need God to keep changing me and, and teaching me and giving me his worldview. You see, that kind of humility is a humility that is teachable, that says, I know I'm wrong a lot. And that is open to what God has to tell us. That is an attitude that God loves to teach and give wisdom to. Secondly, if you want to learn wisdom and learn to discern the voice of God, go deep into his love. Go deep into his love. It's interesting to me at this last section where the prophet comes. The prophet who comes to Rehoboam and speaks for God, his name is Shemaiah. And Shemaiah means God listens. God listens. Now, I think that's very interesting. In a whole passage that's all about us listening to God and listening to wisdom, he sends a prophet that reminds us that God is listening. You see, if you understand that about God, you understand that God is that kind of God, a God who loves us enough to listen to our hearts, to listen to the desires we have, to listen to the joys of our souls, who knows every need because he listens and knows us so well, that he knows what's best for us because he's listened to every 
thing going on in our lives and in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, our thinking, all of it, because he's that kind of God that cares that much about us (laughs) and engages with us to that degree. Then that helps us to say, wow, that's a kind of God I want to listen to. I want to please him. I want to know him. And I want to have him shape my soul and thoughts and life so that I can be more like him. I can be that kind of listener. And by the way, think about Jesus for a moment. As he lived life on this earth, he was an awesome listener. And he listened to God. He prayed and listened to God. He said, I don't do anything apart from what my father tells me. He often went away and would pray all night or pray before a decision he had to make. And I think he was praying all the time, connected to God, abiding with him. See, Jesus is a great example for us. And it says he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Imagine that. Jesus was a lifelong learner as he plugged into God and he grew in wisdom and obedience. My third suggestion on how to listen to the voice of God and his wisdom, get his wisdom, is to simply read God's word. Uh, I know this is not a new suggestion to you, but I want to encourage you maybe in a fresh way, hopefully, to read the Bible regularly every day. Just read through it, but read thoughtfully in a way that can change your thinking, give you wisdom, help you to become wise as you get to know God better and get to know yourself and mankind better. So I encourage you to read the Bible daily, but to read it in a certain way. Read it with an open heart, with an attitude that says, teach me to know you better. Change my wrong thinking about you and about myself and about life because I know it's wrong and it's incomplete. Teach me to know myself better. Convict me of my sin, Lord. I want to be changed as I read the word thoughtfully. If you have that attitude, God will love to give you wisdom. So read God's word, but read it thoughtfully with an open heart. Only then will you learn to discern his voice over time in a world that's full of foolish voices And that will begin to transform you and give you wisdom. You see, the wise are those who are skeptical about the voices they hear. And they learn to ask, what is this author's view of man? What is this author's view of God? What is their view of Jesus and his kingdom? Is this a voice truly worth listening to? And will this voice truly help me to know God and man better? Or will it just reinforce my narrow, blind, selfish, prideful point of view? I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who's growing in wisdom, who's learning to listen to the voice of God so that my selfishness and my pride are changing. I'm growing in humility so that I really hear God's word, hear his voice, and truly become wise. Let's pray.
Lord, I just thank you that you are wisdom for us, that you see the big picture, you know everything. And we don't. Our view is so limited. Lord, help us approach your word from humility and help us in the midst of all the voices that we're exposed to every day. Help us discern your voice and listen to your voice and listen to the true voice of wisdom so we can know you better and know ourselves and others better so that we love you and love others in the way you've called us to. Thank you in Jesus' name.